about you, it's about me. I'm so fresh and so clean. I'm the best thing that you ever seen. Cause I'm killing it. I'm great. I'm killing it. It's about me, I'm so fresh and so clean I'm the best thing that you ever seen Cause I'm killing it I'm killing it I'm killing it So, um, you know, it's funny to me, we're like in our third week of this series, and many of you saw that bumper like three times, and it's like, you still are anticipating everything that's going to happen. It's, co- it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, we are today, we're, we're finishing out our, our third week of our series entitled Killing It. And, and this series, in case you've not been with us, this series is really about killing that thing that is in us that has the potential to kill everything that is good in us or good around us. And this thing that we need to be killing is what we've called pride. Now, you need to remember, if you haven't been with us, uh, this pride that we're talking about in this series is is this isn't the sense of joy that you feel just kind of like welling up inside of you, like whenever your children push through something really difficult or really hard. Um, It's the pride that causes you to like yell at your children or get angry with your children because they didn't represent you well enough on the ball field or in the classroom and they embarrassed you as a parent or, or as a family. See, this pride that we're talking about in this series, it's not that sense of joy that you feel at work when you did a really good job. It's that sense of pride that you feel when um, you secretly are happy because somebody at work messed up and it makes you look better. See, this pride that we're talking about here, it's the pride that diminishes you because it shuts you in while you shut God and other people out. It's the pride that keeps you from saying what needs to be said and hearing what needs to be heard. It's the pride that distorts your perception of reality and causes you to feel living entitled. It's, it's this kind of pride. So this whole series has been about you getting in the habit of calling out pride and killing it. Because as as Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, which is kind of our foundational verse for this whole series, and that is this. He says, first pride, then the crash. Now, here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, most every one of us have experienced this series of events in our life multiple times. Because see, whenever we're held captive by the issue of pride, it's one of the primary reasons that we experience crashes in our life. It's why we experience crashes in our marriages. It's why we experience crashes in our families, in our workplace, in our friendships, and even as we've talked about in the series, in our emotions. 
See, when we have pride in our life, we can't often see how much and how often we diminish others or how we limit God's work in our lives because pride, as we've seen for the last few weeks, it distorts our perception of reality. And see, when, when you have pride, especially like if you're a Christ follower, it's like you want God to be part of your life, or excuse me, you want God to be part of your life, but, but you really work hard to stay in control of your life or at least paint a picture on the outside that you have it all together because see, pride makes it all about image and control. And and here's why you want to appear as though you have it all together. And here's why it's like you make it all about image and control. Because what pride does is pride feeds your appetite for being known for something and being applauded by someone that you think is important. Think about it this way. We all have this appetite. We all have the appetite to some degree to be friended, to be followed, to be liked, to be mentioned, to be recognized, to be admired, to be sought after. And even, we would never say this, we have an appetite to even be envied. To go, I wonder, did anybody notice that? Now, here's why this is true. Because see, it's in me, And it's in you to be known and celebrated in life-giving, healthy relationships. God made you for that. It's, It's part of being made in the image of God. But here's the thing we have to all understand. Everything that God has that is good and righteous and pure and holy, Satan comes along with a counterfeit. And so make sure you get this. You might want to even write this down. Pride twists our desire to be known intimately and love deeply. So that's a God-given desire. Pride twists our God-given desire to be known intimately and love deeply into, this is what pride does, into an appetite to be known for something and applauded by anyone. Make sure you get this. When there is pride in your life, there is no amount of known there is no amount of applause, applause that will satisfy your appetite to be known for something or to be applauded by anyone. See, see, an appetite, it's like a bottomless pit. I mean, you've heard us say this before. It's like appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. I mean, like you'll go eat lunch today and then tonight you'll probably eat some dinner or tomorrow morning you'll eat some breakfast. Like you eat one time and because it's an appetite, it's never fully and finally satisfied. And that's what pride is. It is an appetite that is never fully and finally satisfied, which means pride in our life gives Satan a stronghold, a foothold in our life that puts us on like this constant quest for more recognition and for more applause. And and that's not true in every area of life, but it isn't true in one or two areas that we have decided will help us be known better or to be applauded more. See, that's why some of you, it's why some of you, you just have to have in your mind like a certain role or position, like in your job or on your sports team or in a civics club or even on a dream team here at RCC. It's like, because in your mind, if you have a certain role or position, you'll be known for something significant. You'll be applauded by somebody that you think is important. And see, pride has made you believe that when you're known enough, 
or when you're applauded enough. Don't miss what I'm saying here. Pride has made you believe that when you're known enough or applauded enough, you will experience that place of satisfaction and fulfillment that you so desire for your life. See, this appetite to be known for something significant, to be applauded by someone that we think is important, it is a very powerful appetite, which makes it very, very dangerous, especially in the life of a Christ follower. You know why it's so dangerous in the life of a Christ follower? Because it's so easy to mask, to kind of hide your pride behind some kind of ministry or some kind of mission or purpose for God. But the truth is, pride is what often makes us grapple for, get so disappointed by, get so angry about whenever we don't get that role or whenever we don't get that position, whenever we don't get that opportunity on the team or when we don't get used in a way that we think will position us the best to be known and to be applauded. So, so how do you kill this thing called pride? And how, how do you keep it from killing all the good that God wants to do in and through you? Well, as I told you in week one, two weeks ago in, in this sermon series, about 20 years ago, God used a man to speak into my life about how pride was absolutely destroying me. And this person kind of helped me to see how my appetite that was being driven by pride to be known for something and be applauded by someone was absolutely undermining God's work in my life and undermining God's work in the lives of people that were around me. And one of the things I learned on that journey of, of discovery was this is that you and I, we are in a battle with pride every day. Don't miss that. Every day, you and I, we are in a battle with pride. And when pride is in you, it distorts your reality. And it causes so many of the crashes that you now blame on other people around you or you blame on the circumstances that you, know, you think have caused those crashes. Now, here's what happened. As I was beginning to process this issue seriously in my life, there was a statement that this man, he pointed out to me that John the Baptist said. And I'm just gonna tell you, this statement that John the Baptist said, it absolutely changed my perspective and it helped me kind of begin a journey to kill this thing called pride. Now, I wanna introduce this statement to you and then we're gonna come back and unpack it a little bit deeper. We find this in John chapter three, Verse 30, here's what John the Baptist says. He must become greater, and John the Baptist is referring to Jesus here. He must become greater, I must become less. Now, when you look at this statement at first glance, it's like, it doesn't really seem like much sometimes. But, but let me give you some context. As I said, these words right here, they were said by John the Baptist. And he's talking about dealing with this appetite that pride gives us, this appetite of being known for something and being applauded by someone without letting it fill us with pride that destroys us. So, so you go, well, how is this even relevant to John the Baptist? Well, who is John the Baptist? I mean, if you really stop and think about it, why, why is this conversation a conversation that John the Baptist would have? Well, if you study the life of John the Baptist, you'll discover that he was the one who was sent to point others to Jesus, to point out who Jesus was and to point other people to Jesus. 
Well, in Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist comes on the scene. And when you start looking at his ministry, all of a sudden you realize, man, this guy had incredible popularity. In fact, let's look at it. Mark chapter 1, here's what it says. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now notice this next statement, because this helps us understand why John the Baptist was an expert in talking about this thing called pride. Here's what it says. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now you gotta make sure you understand what's going on here. This word all here and this word all right there, I mean, it's like saying there was most likely several thousand people and some of them traveling as much as a day's journey from Jerusalem in order to listen to John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is very well-known. In fact, he's probably one of the most well-known individuals at this point in time in his life in that region. Now, I want you to notice what he says. This is kind of his message. And he preached saying, after me comes he, referring to Jesus, who is greater than I, the strap of whose sandals, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. So as we said, he's talking about Jesus. But here's the thing you gotta understand. Even though he's talking about Jesus, there is so much energy, there is so much enthusiasm around his ministry that the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, they get kind of bothered by what's going on here. And so they send some priests and some Levites down to kind of ask him who he was. Notice it. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levi to ask him, who his, what he was. So they, they want to know who this guy is. Because they're like, is this another wannabe Messiah? Or is this really the Messiah? Because some of them really were looking for the Messiah. They, they really want to know who this guy is because he's so popular. He's so well known. But I want you to notice how he responds to them even before they get into their questions. Notice what he says. He did not fail to confess if, if you're taking notes, you, you might want to underline this phrase. You can underline your Bible or in um, the talk notes in your app. He did not fail to confess freely, or but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. He confessed freely. Now, I'm sure for some of the people, they were a little bit disappointed that he wasn't the Messiah because they've been waiting on the Messiah. But here's the thing, you gotta understand. He confesses freely. I mean, just like right off the tip of his tongue. He's not emotional about it. He's not caught up in who he is and all that. I mean, he did not make it about himself. He confessed freely. I'm not the Messiah. In fact, notice the next verse, verse 21. They ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no, I'm not that. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us because those that sent us, they think you're somebody. I mean, you're like the most popular guy around. You're getting noticed more than anybody. So we gotta have some kind of answer of why you have so much popularity. So they ask this question, what do you say about yourself? Literally, because you got such a large crowd following you because you're so well-known, what do you say about yourself? 
Now you gotta understand, this was like John the Baptist's big moment to kind of get even more notice, maybe to get more applaud, so to kind of be known more, to say, hey, my name is John the Baptist, and here, here's my credentialing, and here's my card, just follow me. But that's not what John does. Notice how he replies. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. So, so the question to him was, what, what do you say about yourself? And his response is like, well, guys, I, I'm just a guy who's here to point in the direction of the Messiah. I, I, I'm not the point. I, I'm just a voice with a message. And for just a moment, I would like for us to kind of pause and ask ourselves this question. As you're doing life every day, what do you say about yourself? What do you say about yourself? And I'm not talking about that pre-calculated answer that we give to kind of make everybody around us feel like that we're doing okay. But what do you say about yourself when you're all alone? What, what do you say about yourself when you're frustrated or aggravated that, that you're not getting noticed enough or you're not getting applauded enough or you're not getting recognized enough by your spouse or your kids or your boss or your peers? Well, what do you say about yourself in those thoughts that you have in your head? What do you say about yourself? You say you should be getting more recognition, more applause. Well, what do you say about yourself? Now, John's answer here, it seems to kind of settle the religious leaders down, but it's obvious as you read on, John's followers, they don't get what John's getting, that it's not about him. Because they're kind of getting bothered that, you know, people that were following John the Baptist are unfollowing John the Baptist to go follow Jesus. Notice what happens next. So they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you, they don't even call him Jesus. They kind of dehumanize him. You know, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, I mean, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. Now, now here's the thing about that. As with most of us, when you start losing followers or when you start losing support, I mean, that's kind of like a little bit unnerving, isn't it? I mean, you start going, well, you know, what did I do wrong or well, what did I say? I mean, think about it this way. So, some of you are like later on in high school now or you're in college and, and maybe you remember having an app called Followers that was like linked to all of your social accounts and, and uh, you know, all your media accounts. And you know, remember what that app was about? It was an app to give you the ability to see who followed you, how many people followed you every day, and how many people unfollowed you. Remember that? And it's like when somebody unfollowed you, I mean, you start going, well, what did I do wrong? Or why don't they like me anymore? And I mean, it's just like your, your life kind of went up and down based on how many people followed or unfollowed you. Others of you, you're kind of like in middle school age right now or high school. Some of you adults, um, you, you kind of got caught up in this right now. You're, you're kind of so obsessed with like keeping your connection with others, like through your Snapchat streaks, you know, that kind of thing. That, that is, you, you kind of get upset with somebody if they, they don't follow up with you each day and you lose your streak. And somebody said, yes, that's right, they do. I mean, it's like, I mean, be honest with yourself. How bad does that feel? It's why we have all those conversations in our head like, you know, why are people rejecting me? See, it really bothers us, doesn't it? 
when we feel like that we're losing support or, you know, that people are kind of like unfollowing us. And I'm sure it bothered John the Baptist followers too because in their mind, it's like, we, we gotta do something because John the Baptist, listen, like you're losing your followers and, and that's a bad thing in our mind. Everybody's going to Jesus and that's not good even though John has just got done saying, no, that's what I'm here for. And they're like, Jesus is taking your people and, and you're not gonna be known as well as what you are at this point in time. But I want you to notice John the Baptist reply. It's a statement I showed you earlier, but now you're going to see it in this context. In fact, I think this statement that John the Baptist makes next is such an important statement that I had written it out some years ago, and I just kind of stuck it on my desk, and, and I just kept it there so that it would burn it into my brain and then embed it into my heart. No, notice what John the Baptist says. He must become greater. I must become less. And what John is saying in this statement is this. My life is not all about me. It's about living others first. And you know what? That's that's not just true for John the Baptist. That's true for every one of us. Listen. If you're a Christ follower, anytime you're known for something, it is never about us. It's about using your voice to make Jesus known. See, you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are actually here to make Jesus known. And the primary way we live to make Jesus known is by living others first. Because remember, you go, how do you get that? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, This is the way they will know that you're my disciples. By how you what? Treat one another. Which means you can't make Jesus known if you're not living others first. In fact, the truth is you block people from seeing Jesus when you elevate yourself. That's why so many people look at people who call themselves Christians and go, I don't see Jesus in that. Because see, whenever I try to be first and try to make it all about me, we actually block people from seeing Jesus when we put ourselves first. So what makes John's statement here just so powerful is that he's telling us in the statement, here's how you kill pride. Here's how to deal with the pride. Like whenever you start being known for something or being applauded by someone, and and if you're a Christ follower, I mean, do you know what that means for you? I mean, do you know what that means for me? That, That whatever you're known for, being known is all about making Jesus known. It's not about us. It's never been about us. The only reason we're ever known for anything is to make Jesus known. And we make Jesus known by living others first. Now, here's the truth. When you're all about making Jesus known, then it's not about the role anymore or the position or the title or the team or the ministry that you might be involved in. See, when you're all about making Jesus known, I mean, you quit striving to try to kind of get everything just lined up in life the way you want it. I mean, it's just now about waking up every day and sharing the love of Jesus right where you're planted by living others first. And you just get up every day 
and you love other people, you put other people first in that job that you have right now, in the community you live in right now, in the school that you attend right now, in that family you're a part of right now, in the ministry that you serve in right now. You just live making Jesus known by living others first. So to kill this thing called pride, we have to remember, my purpose is not to be known, not to be applauded, but to make Jesus known by living others first. And I'm telling you folks, when when you start getting that, then God can begin to allow you to be known for something and applauded by someone and, and it won't derail you because you'll understand it's not about you. You being known and applauded, what you'll do is is you'll use that to point people to Jesus. And then when being known and being applauded begins to slip through your fingers and go away, because believe me, it always will. See, being known and being applauded, I mean, if you'll go through seasons of that. It's only a temporary thing. And when that begins to slip away, then you'll be just like John the Baptist and, and you won't panic. You won't start feeling like this appetite of pride rising up inside of you and, and you won't start feeding that appetite of being known more and more and you won't be grasping for more and more applause. Instead, you'll just say like John the Baptist, listen, it was never about me in the first place. My, my place was to live making Jesus known by living others first. You'll say like John the Baptist did, he must become greater, I must become less. Now, if you're here today and and you're listening and and you're not a Christ follower, you're like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I I want to tell you something. This whole principle here, it works for you whether you're a Christ follower or not. It's harder because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to remind you and prompt you going, oh, you're, you're, you're living you first instead of Jesus and other people first. But I can tell you this, pride will always be broken in your life when you start making it about others. See, when you start to decide that you're going to live your life for other people, for the benefit of other people, for the bettering of other people, when you choose to live that way, I'm telling you folks, that starts killing pride. Now, here's the catch with this, when you start living other people first. I mean, it's so easy to slip right back into pride. I mean, after all, look at all the good I've just done in helping people in this world. It's like you start living other people first, like, well, I've done so much good. But when you do that, when you, when you start falling back in that trap of making you first, then you just need to recalibrate and you refocus your life toward living others first again. And I'm just going to tell you, when you do that, when you choose to live others first, there's something that comes alive in you. And it's not pride. You know what it is? It's a sense of satisfaction. See, see, the truth is, we are all on a happiness quest. We're all on a satisfaction quest. I mean, you and I, what we really want out of life is to be satisfied. And I'm gonna go and tell you something. When you have pride in your life, it eats away at your satisfaction because pride always says, well, I could always have more or I deserve to have more or I need to have more or pride even says it this way, when I get more, then I'll be satisfied. But here's what many of us have discovered. 
There's something down deep in our humanity that requires us to focus on the good of others in order to experience happiness and satisfaction in our life. Literally, if you are living your life with you as the focus and the beneficiary, you will never be satisfied. It'll never happen. So as we wrap up the series today, what I want to do is I want to ask you two questions and then I have a third question for those of you that are Christ followers that I think will help you refocus your mind and, and call out this thing called pride and, and kill it. So um, you might want to write these down or if you're on the app, I think they're already in there for you so you can follow along there. Here's the first question. Who is benefiting from your life decisions? Don't miss this question. Who is benefiting from your life decisions? Now, notice I didn't say who is benefiting from your existence. But who is benefiting from your life decisions? Because here's what we mean by this. This is different than who's benefiting from your existence because I'm gonna use me personally for a moment. See, my pride, when it wells up in me or when pride wells up inside of me, it makes it so easy for me to think that my wife and my children have benefited from my existence. I mean, think about it, guys. We do this all the time, right? Don't we do this? You know, I've always worked hard to try to make a living. I mean, sometimes I had two, three, four jobs, you know, trying to make a good living for my family. You know, I, I wanted a nice house and I wanted a car and a, a truck and a boat and all those things. So, so guess what? My family got to experience from my existence a house and cars and boats and the things that I wanted to do. They got to experience that. And, and so that's what pride does, is we think people benefit from our existence. But what this question right here gets at is what about the decisions that you make at work that complicate your life more than it needs to be complicated or makes you have to work more than maybe what you need or take on more responsibility than what you, sh you should take on? See, what about the decisions that you're making in your life? What, what, what shift in your mindset needs to happen so that you're at home when you're at home and you're at work when you're at work? So, so this question right here is all about, am I consistently and intentionally making decisions that put the relationship side of the people I love first? Am I doing that with my spouse, with my children, with my boss, with my coworkers, in my community, with my parents, or all your decisions about you? See, see if the answer to that question is you, then, then you have allowed pride to kind of sneak in somewhere and start killing part of your life, and, and you don't even see it yet. You don't even realize that it's happening. So the first question is this, who is benefiting from your life decisions because you're intentionally making them for their benefit because you're thinking others first? Second question is this, how would it change the decisions you make if you lived your life for others? I mean, would you have more passion for life? Would you be more selfless and less selfish? Would you have more drive? Would you spend more time at home? Would you be more generous? Would you be more thankful and grateful? How would it change the decisions that you make every day? If you are making them in light that, no, 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 this is not about me. I 
must decrease so they can increase. And then there's another question that if you're a Christ follower, and I'm just telling you, this is non-negotiable. See, putting others first is essential if you're gonna be a, a follower of Jesus Christ because, see, when you put you first, you block people from seeing Jesus. So here's the question for you, and that is this. Are you pointing to Jesus by living others first? Are you really pointing to Jesus by living others first? See, I'm convinced that the primary reason that most people have a problem with the church, with Christianity, with the gospel message is because they see us as Christ followers, people who call ourselves Christians, living so self-centered, so self-seeking, making it all about us. So the question is, are you pointing others to Jesus by living others first? And are you doing this at work, at home, at school, in your community? Are you doing this as you discipline your children, as you hang out with your friends? Here's why I say this. I think many of us, we've seen this logo on on the back of a car. He is greater than I. And and it normally is on the back of a Christian's car as they cut you off in traffic. You know what I mean? You know, this is referring to God is greater than me or Jesus is greater than me. And so these Christians put it all over the back of their window. Listen, if you're going to be a dirty driver, don't try to represent Jesus. I'm just saying, okay? But, But here's the thing. This statement right here, he is greater than I, it's exactly what John the Baptist was saying. He must become greater and I must become less. However, I think that instead of this logo, the logo should look more something like this. Others are greater than I. Because see, here's why. When we actually fulfill what Jesus asked us to do, by this will everyone know that my disciples, by how you treat one another, In how we treat other people, we actually show that he is greater than I. And the only way that we can really show people that he is greater than I is to live others first. And the only way you're going to live others greater than I is when you confront this issue of pride and you work on killing it. Instead of letting it just distort your perception of reality and and thinking that somehow life will be better if you increase and others decrease. See, I can promise you when your daily question becomes, how am I pointing other people to Jesus by living others first? Or am I pointing other people to Jesus by living others first? I'm telling you, you'll have a lot less crashes in your life, especially emotionally and relationally. Because see, at that point in time, your days are no longer about you. And when it's no longer about you, then you can see pride for what it is and and you can call it out and you can kill it. And you'll no longer like be diminishing others and and you'll no longer limit God's work in your life. and, And you'll have this incredible ability to just love God as you were created to love. And you can just be in community with other people the way that God created you to be in community because it's about others and it's about him over me. Please hear my heart on this. Pride will always promise you. This is what pride will always promise you. If you will let me be the king of your heart, you'll experience satisfaction. That's what pride promises. If you'll let me be the king of your heart, you'll experience satisfaction, but pride never delivers satisfaction. You know what pride always delivers? It delivers a greater desire to be known for more and to be applauded more. But here's the truth. 
If you allow Jesus to be the king of your heart, here's what Jesus promises. He promises satisfaction. And here's the good news. He always delivers. So to close out this series today, we're we're gonna close it out with a song. And this song is all about making God the king of your heart. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray and, um, and then the band is gonna come out and, and, and they're gonna lead us in a song of, of just saying, God, I commit to let you, instead of pride, be the king of my heart. And here's the thing, if you're here today and, and you're not a Christ follower, one of the best ways for you to start killing pride in your life is to say, I'm no longer gonna be God of my life, but God, I'm gonna surrender control of my life to you. And you can do that. I'm gonna lead you in an opportunity to pray in just a moment. Or, or maybe you're on one of our campuses and, and you wanna talk to someone, you got some questions, or you wanna pray with someone after that prayer and the song, just feel free to come to the front. And even during the song, if you wanna come to the front and just talk to God at the front of the altar, do that. If you want to come up afterwards and talk to someone or pray with someone, we're glad to do that because I'm telling you folks, if we don't kill pride, it will kill everything good in us and around us and it will leave us completely dissatisfied. And Jesus said, you know, I don't want pride to destroy you, but I do want you to have life and I want you to have it abundantly and we can experience that through Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity. God, this opportunity to just pause right here, right now and really look at our hearts. And God, for those who are here today and And their first step to kill pride is just to say, Jesus, I've been the king of my own life, the God of my own life, and I've never said yes to being a Jesus follower. But today I I say yes. If that's you, we just pray this. Say these words in your heart as I say them out loud. Just say them in your heart to God. Just say, God, today um, I choose to follow Jesus with all of my heart. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I thank you for dying on the cross, paying the price for my sin, taking the punishment that I deserved on myself. I thank you, God, that you don't want to punish me. I thank you that you're not angry at me, but that you love me and you want what's best for me. So I'm choosing just to follow you, Jesus. And God, for every person who just made that commitment to become a follower right now, I just pray that You'll help them just continue to take next steps of asking questions of some of us to say, hey, here's what, what's my next step? And God, for many of us, that's, that's public baptism. Others, it's just going to that environment we call next. God, but for all of us, I just pray that you will help us to make the commitment after these three weeks of understanding what pride can do to mess up our lives. That we'll say, God, today, um, we're committed We are absolutely committed to killing this thing called pride. And we want you to be the king of our heart. And we're going to start living by the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to start living others first. Because it's only when we live others first that we can put you first. Because that's how it works. By this, will everyone know that we are your follower by the way that we love one another. So help us to love 
in a way that just clearly speaks to everyone around us that you are first and we're living others first and we're making you known because of the way we live. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're gonna do in our hearts right here, right now. Amen.